something that I like to ask people if they say, I want to manifest like a successful business, for example, say, well, what's the worst thing about that? And someone might say, oh, it means I have to support my family. And I really don't want to do that. Or it means I have to like show up on social media and I'm a private person. I don't want to do that. And that's going to end up subconsciously blocking them. So they might not take the action, you know, that shows up or they might intentionally sabotage themselves. So it's really important to start looking at what are the fears I have? What's the worst thing about manifesting this thing into my life? And what do I need to actually let go and heal? So if you are really trying to manifest a lot of money, wealth, not just a sum, but actually like a really wealthy, abundant way of life, there's probably going to be a lot of belief systems to let go of. And especially the ones that we might've taken up from my parents, like you have to work hard and do, um, you know, earn your money or, you know, even money is bad. It's actually letting go of those belief systems before you can step into your new reality. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, Balancers, and welcome to episode 64 of the Balance Theory podcast. This is our final interview of 2021, but don't worry, I'm not leaving you alone over the Christmas break. I've put together some best bit episodes. So I did a poll on my story a few weeks ago and I asked you guys if you wanted replays of our favorite episodes or more best bits type content. So what I've done is I've split it up into the best bits of 2020 and the best bits of 2021. So over the Christmas break, you will have content to get you through the holiday festive season. And so I can have a little bit of a break as well. But even if you have listened to every single one of our episodes and big love to you, if you're sitting there and that is you, but I don't want you to shy away from listening to these. So what I've tried to do is group them in terms of themes so that you'll listen to about half an hour, but you'll hear maybe five or six different interviews. And it's literally the best bits, the best morsels, the smack bang bit of advice that you wait sometimes 20, 25 minutes for. So we skip over everybody's intro and story because you would have heard that in the original episode and we get to just the crunch, which sometimes is such a beautiful reminder and you never know when you're going to need those hot tips. But it may also bring to your mind episodes that you may not have listened to. So I hope you guys are excited for that. Next week will be the best bits of 2020. And then I am going to have just a one week break in between. I'm sure you'll all be partying and resting and swimming and drinking and dancing and doing all the fun things. You won't have time to podcast. But the week after that, which will be the 10th of January, will be the best bits of 2021. And then we are straight back into it on the 17th. Now, just before I introduce the special guest I've got on today, I did want to say a big thank you to everybody who has downloaded our ebook and reached out to me just to let me know how much they appreciated it. It means a lot. I really love creating content for you guys. So when you do reach out and let me know, I guess, how it's helped you or what you really liked about it, it really means the world to me. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go back and have a listen to Monday Muse 18. So that was the episode from two weeks ago. And it's all about being proactive when it comes to end of year, I guess, turning point, preparing for the new year to come. So I just thought instead of waiting for January 1 to do a little bit of reflection, why don't we utilize December? really reflect on 2021 and create a little bit of momentum for 2022. So that's what that episode is all about. And there's a beautiful ebook to go with it. Half of it I take you through on the episode and the other half is all bonus content just to really ramp up that momentum for 2022. So there's still plenty of time to go before the year wraps up. I've popped a link in the show notes of this episode as well, just in case you don't want to go back. But again, the audio is there to help guide you through it as well if you need. Now on to today's beautiful guest. I'm really excited to have her on because she's the first guest of her kind. And when I say that, I mean, I haven't had anybody on in her profession or I guess in this part of life. So what I'm talking about is, I guess, a more spiritual take on balance, which is something I've become a lot more open to this year. And I think something that is so great for everybody to tune into just to open up their minds a little bit as well. So I had the pleasure of interviewing Athena Bailey, who is a kinesiologist, trance channeler, clairvoyant, spiritual teacher and energy expert whose focus is to really help intuitive women level up in life and business. 
And what I do love about Athena's energy is she really helped me tap a little bit more into my spiritual side as well. And whether you are spiritually open or not, I really want you to tune into this episode with an open mind and just see what happens. Today, we chat all about connecting with your soul purpose, how to find it and lean into it, as well as manifesting your life path and just asking the universe for a little bit of help along the way. Athena also dives into a question we don't usually ask ourselves when we manifest. But now that I've heard it, I can admit I can never practice manifesting without even considering it. So sit tight for that tip. She also goes deep into how to connect with your intuition, something I think a lot of us really crave and want to know how to do on a deeper level, how to let go of emotions. And lastly, and my absolute favorite part, how to set energetic boundaries, like not just boundaries. We're going to take it one next level. We're going to set energetic boundaries, which is incredible information to have on board with you as we roll into a new year. Be sure to share this episode with a spiritual buddy, someone who will just love it as much as you will. You can connect with Athena more on Instagram. I've tagged it in the show notes below or as well on her website. Let's dive straight in. Alrighty, today I'm joined by a unique guest, not one I've had on before. So I'm really, really excited to get into, I guess, a more spiritual side of balance and what spirituality spirituality in general has to teach us all about our balance on a day-to-day basis. So Athena Bailey, a very warm welcome to the Balance Theory Podcast. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me, Erica. It's my absolute pleasure. Now we, oh, I had the honor to, I guess, have a little bit of a meet and greet with you yesterday and get a feel for the work that you do, which was incredible and it blew my mind. So for everybody listening who, just to give them a little bit of a sense, I guess, for the work you do and what you're involved in, can you just talk to us a little bit about that? And of course, also your podcast, Light Leaders. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm a kinesiologist, energy healer and channeler. So Mainly, I work with channeling, which involves actually connecting to your spiritual team. So those are the guides, angels working with you. Everybody has them and actually opening up a conversation with them, getting to know them, their names, what they're working with us for, and just starting to actually have that relationship with them, because a lot of people aren't aware of who's actually supporting them in the non-physical realms. And I do talk about that a lot and go into deeper theory and explanations in that on my podcast, Light Leaders. Beautiful. And so for anyone who's not quite sure, can you explain what kinesiology actually is? Yeah, so kinesiology, it's very similar to um, acupuncture. So it works with the body's meridian system, but rather than working needles, it's a lot of touch. And so we work with the body's electrical energy system and mainly working with meridians, but it can be used not just for physical things, but also emotional, spiritual, mental issues, because it all shows up in the body. Okay, beautiful. And do you find there is a correlation between that practice, the kinesiology and the physical with the spiritual stuff you do? Like, are they quite uh, linked or do you kind of treat them as separate in your practice? I usually bring them together. They work very well. If I'm working with a client in a healing session and they have an issue that we're struggling to kind of locate or understand where it's coming from or what we need to do, I'll just call in their spiritual team, their guides, and have a chat to them about what it is we need to do, work on, shift, or vice versa. Sometimes I'm in a channeling session and they say, hey, this person has this belief system. You really need to clear it. And then I'll use kinesiology to test it and clear it. So they kind of work together like that. Awesome. And um, I'm not sure if this is something you personally have come across. I'm sure when people come to you, they're already quite open-minded, but for anyone listening who may be feeling a little bit skeptical or haven't really opened themselves up to, you know, the potential of the spiritual world, because it is, I guess, something you need to open yourself up to. I feel like it's not something you hear the first time and it may not potentially jump at you. So I guess, How do you normally deal with when people are feeling a little bit skeptical? I guess I'm just sort of trying to understand how you make it, I guess, a a more tangible thing for those people who are, quote, maybe non-believers. Yeah. So to be honest, I rarely work with people who are skeptics. There are so many people who are into spirituality, intuition, this work. So it hasn't really been an issue where (laughs) most people aren't probably willing to spend money on something that they're kind of skeptical about. But if I did have someone who was kind of unsure or skeptical of it, 
I would probably use the approach of kinesiology because it's tangible and something that they can experience. So for example, there's a technique that we use called muscle testing, which is we actually work with the muscles of the body to confirm um, the electricity, the programs, the energy of the body. And the body gives us a yes, no. And so I can ask a question and the body will respond. And for someone that doesn't believe it or is skeptical about it, if they go and they see their body responding and they try to um, do something different. So, for example, with the muscle testing, most often it's actually raising your hand, having it in front of you. And if you say your name, I can push down on your arm and it's going to remain. It's going to hold strong. It's not going to budge. But if you say my name is and something different, like if I said my name is Alex and I push down the muscle is actually going to weaken because of the electricity flow. That's not accurate. Accurate. The body, the energy, wow. the body energy system is telling us that that's not true. That's not real. And it works on everyone. So when I do have a skeptic and I do that on them, they're kind of like, I'm trying so hard to push against it. I'm trying to keep my muscles strong, but it's not working. So if someone is really skeptical, my first kind of avenue is to show them how energy works tangibly. And that generally starts to open people's minds up. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. And so you take the energy from a practical standpoint. How does that then translate into energy and say our spirit guides? Because I'm just thinking a lot of people listening, this may be the first time they've sort of heard or tuned into this kind of concept. So just trying to draw the strings with, okay, we we can accept that we've got energy flowing through the body and that potentially can, can be a real thing for us. How do we then translate that to a more spiritual concept? Absolutely. So I believe that everything is energy. And I mean, that's not a new concept, obviously, that's very grounded in science, everything is energy. And I believe that there are dimensions or frequencies that we can see and some that we can see and psychics have the ability to see into more um, dimensions and reality. So kind of think of it like a radio dial, you know, it's the same kind of box, but depending on how you tune it, you get a different output. And that's kind of how I like to think about energy. So depending on what you're tuned into, you're going to be receiving different inputs. So when we're talking about where this energy, we exist in this reality, this dimension, this frequency, but then there are these other dimensions that overlay, you know, what is around us currently. And if we tune into it using energy work, then suddenly we see our spirit guides and our angels and the beings who are working and supporting us. Beautiful. And I guess this is sort of when you hear phrases such as like raising your vibrations or, you know, your vibrational frequency, is this sort of the um, essence of what that's talking about? Absolutely. So the kind of raise your vibration, which we hear a lot of, it's like high frequency energy makes you feel good. Low frequency energy makes you feel bad. And everything has, you know, a frequency to it and everything can either be neutral to you it doesn't raise or lower it or it can lower your vibration or raise it it's in it's the same with food there are foods you know fresh fruit that's going to really raise your vibration so people as well there are some people that lower our vibration others that raise it so it goes for everywhere and the higher our vibration is the more we're in correlation to the emotions that also have a high vibration joy abundance happiness gratitude those all have a high vibration And the higher our vibration is also the more we are able to work in those higher vibrational dimensions where our spirit guides, angels are operating from. Amazing. So I'm very, very curious to know about your experience of sort of realizing and tuning into this spiritual side of yourself. Was it something you've just always had or was it a day or a moment where you stopped and really started to tune in and thought, this is something I want to you know, further explore. Totally. So as long as I can remember, I've always been fascinated by this. Like I remember my mom went to a reflexologist and I would have been um, was still in Dubai because um, I was born and raised in Dubai. So probably I would have been about eight. And I remember she went to a reflexologist. And I was so fascinated by the meridian chart on the feet that I drew a chart of it. And I just went around wanting to give everybody reflexology. <laughs> and I was always reading like the astrology books. And then whenever I go to the library, I just be drawn to the metaphysical section. And it was something that I was just always fascinated by, always interested in. And as I got older too, I was always very intuitive as well. I could always feel when something was about to happen, go wrong. I just had that really embodied intuition. 
And as I became a teenager, it started to intensify. And I was about 15, 16 when my clairvoyance really started to open up. And clairvoyance is when we see things. So at the time when it started, I thought I was going insane. I'm like, oh my God, I'm losing my mind. I'm seeing things that aren't there. And I really had to go deep into the subject to understand how to work with it, how to use it, um, because it can be really overwhelming when that first starts to open up. And it was for me, I just wanted to be a normal teenager, but instead I was dealing with all of these things and experiencing all of these things. Um, and I did do a lot of study, like books, online courses. I had the internet around when I was a teenager, so I'm lucky and grateful for that. And you know, then at 18, I just went straight into studying energy modalities, healing, kinesiology. It's been, you know, my obsession my whole life. I've always loved it, always been drawn to it, and I've definitely had a natural predisposition for it. So when the opportunity kind of um, arose when I was 19, 20 to start seeing clients for energy healing, I went for it. And just one thing led to another. Amazing. Sounds like it was written in your stars, something like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so do you think that this sort of, because um, look, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't actually know anyone personally who's, who's gone through a similar experience to you. So mm -hmm. I always find hearing the story so incredibly profound. And, you know, if we just take a minute and, and accept that there are different I guess, realities or versions that we potentially can see or, or can't see. Do you think that everybody has a potential to eventually tap in and, and I guess access those realities or do you think it's reserved for certain individuals? And if so, why is that? You may not have the answer, just speculation maybe. <laughs> 100% everyone has the ability for it. And so I do have a program where I train people how to open and activate these abilities. Um, and just if people work on it and they work energetically along with the theory, it opens up for everyone. I, yeah. that being said, I do believe that people, like some people have a predisposition the same way. Like if you're born seven foot tall and strong, you're probably going to have a predisposition for basketball, right? Like you're going to be better at it, but that doesn't mean that anyone can't pick up a basketball and learn how to play. And you might not yep. be as good as that person that has that natural advantage, but you can still learn how to play. So I definitely had a natural predisposition, but anyone can open up to it. And I think for a lot of people, if they kind of look back into their life, you know, they might not know what intuition is even, or what some of these metaphysical examples of experiences are. But when we start to explain them, they go, oh, wait, I've, I've experienced that like I've had that um you know that kind of thing happen and that they realize oh that's my intuition speaking I actually do have that connection to it I just wasn't aware of it yeah absolutely and we'll definitely dive into in intuition in just a moment um but I guess I just wanted to ask you now and and I suppose for the listeners as well whether you are already interested in in sort of spirituality potentially you've already um, dabbled in this, this this kind of world, which is very new and exciting and fascinating to me, or, or maybe you're really just hearing this for the first time. And so what I wanted to do with Athena today was talk about things that are quite practical that we can learn from this mm -hmm. space. So one thing you talk about is transforming, transmuting and manifesting your life path. And I think manifesting is one of those things at the moment that's kind of been thrown, thrown around like a hot phrase. Um, and so I'm very curious in your opinion, what that actually involves and how, I guess, the work you do and, and the space you're involved in, how that actually can help somebody manifest a life path for themselves and what that actually means. Absolutely. So I think we're tying into two different things here. The first one being soul purpose. And I do believe that every single person on earth has a soul purpose. And that's kind of like the contract that we take before we're born. We say, okay, this is the work I'm going to do. For some people, it might be, okay, I'm going to be a teacher, or I'm going to set up this community, or I'm going to do this in my time on earth. And so that aligns with our sole purpose. And really, as our goal here, it is to embody that, to do that work. And that's usually what we're drawn to. That's our biggest source of joy. Um, that's generally how then we connect into our soul tribe, the people who are on a soulmate level, friends and romantic and it brings our life a level of fulfillment that we don't find anywhere else. So I think for a lot of people, it is finding that, being able to tune into that, which can happen at any age. And then manifestation, that can really be for anything, like big and small. You might be like, today, I just want to manifest that. You know, let's let's do an example. You know, someone's going to give buy me a free coffee. Like they're going to buy me a coffee. That might be an example of manifestation. Or you might be manifesting 
a house. So generally, like when we manifest, um, do try to tune in if it's aligned with you or not, because some things you might be wanting to manifest and it's actually not aligned for you at all. Like that's not a match for you. And if it's not a match for you, you're going to have a really hard time manifesting it. But if it is a match for you, if it's for your highest good, it's aligned with you, it's going to be a lot easier to manifest. And when we manifest, you know, it depends the approach you're taking. The personal development will be more about like mindset, abundance mindset, kind of vision boarding and all of that. And I think that's really important. I do take more of the spiritual metaphysical approach, which is the energetic side of it and working with um, timelines. Um, I'm probably not going to go into that concept because it's a bit hard to explain, but it's essentially that all realities, all potential possible realities exist and they're just on different frequencies. And so our job is to decide what we want. And then when we do, there's a timeline that has that. And so we just need to align our energies, most often raise our vibration to align with that reality so that it manifests in our life. And most of the time we do that by one envisioning. So setting that intention, this is what we want to create. And then two, feeling it as if it were ours. So if I really wanted that, cup of coffee, someone to buy me, I'll be visualizing myself receiving it, drinking it, feeling gratitude, joy, being like, wow, I manifested, I did it. And sitting in that energy, that emotion, that feeling. And that can be applied to absolutely everything. I can say very confidently, I've manifested most everything in my life. And I definitely do have some complicated rituals that I do around it, but just the basic, it can be used to manifest anything. Yeah. Incredible. Okay. There's a couple things I want to pull out of that. Let's go back to soul, <laughs> um, soul aligned purpose, because I think this is one thing that a lot of people um, struggle with, you know, finding what is their true purpose. Now from, from where I sit in life right now, I know a lot of people listening as well, what they're doing as their fulfillment or as their nine to five may not be what they feel like is their sole purpose. And there's always this question or, or looming I guess, query of what am I supposed to do? What am I interested in? I don't know what fulfills me. And yeah. so we spoke about your sole purpose. And one before I kind of ask you how we find out what that is, I did want to ask you, do you think that we have one sole purpose and that it can manifest in potentially like a lot of different ways? So say you have like five, six jobs over your lifetime, like they all kind of correlate with that one sole purpose or is it more that your sole purpose changes over time? So um, I really like how you said that, that we do have like one main sole purpose, but it can expand into multiple things. So for example, our sole purpose, usually when I've read for people, their sole purpose, it's generally quite general. It's not like I've never seen a sole purpose. That's like, you're going to start a podcast and this is exactly what's going to be in it. And you're going to share That would be this. helpful, wouldn't it? <laughs> but generally what we have is we have like, as an example, one that um, I see quite often because it's really needed on earth at this time is you're going to support the rise and empowerment and healing of the divine feminine on earth at this time and so that's the sole purpose and their personality their skills is how they make that manifest so they might end up becoming a healer or hosting women's circles regularly but generally like when we find that sole purpose it's like we have this knowing internally this is my thing and the first time I ever taught a spiritual class I remember just leaving and going this is it like, I want to do this my whole life. Like, this is what I've been searching for. I never want to do anything else. And I just knew, like, I had no doubt in my mind. And I think it's kind of similar to when people um, say, oh, is he the one? And they say, well, if you're asking, he's not the one. And it's kind of like that with self-purpose. Like, when you find it, you're like, this is my thing. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Nothing brings me just as much joy. And it can absolutely expand and change, but it'll generally be, like, on that similar similar level. So, you know, my work has changed a lot over the years, but it's still that same underlying, like I'm helping people activate, open up this spirituality, their gifts and their sole purpose, but I'm just doing it maybe through different programs or yeah. in person or online or through podcasts. So just kind of changing up how we actually share it. Yeah. I'm really glad you said that because only in the last year or two, I've really felt that myself in having gone mm. into a couple of new ventures. Like I've, I've seen the correlation between what really fuels me and what 
like my purpose within those things, like what the commonality is. So I can, I feel that and I can feel that over time, like I may do different things, but it will always be hitting on that same sort of um, purpose. So I'm really glad I found that. But for anyone listening, who's sitting here thinking, oh damn, like I haven't really had a moment like that where I feel like, wow, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Like I I just, they might be sitting there thinking like, I don't actually know if I'm ever going to find that and being worried that they're you know, a bit disconnected. Do you have any tips for those people on how they may be able to start doing that on their own terms? I mean, I know obviously working with someone like yourself is is an incredible way to sort of almost fast track that and take out the guesswork. But if they were to wanting to do that on their own terms, do you have any tips? Absolutely. So there are two things that I'm going to recommend. The first one is ask your spiritual guides. You have guides that are working with you to help you with your soul purpose. That's literally their job. They're assigned to work with you to help you create that in your lifetime on earth, but they cannot interfere unless you ask them for help. So as soon as you say, Hey, can I please have some help around knowing, um, experiencing, manifesting, embodying my soul purpose, they're going to start bringing in, you know, it might be a book or a course or something that kind of leads you into the right direction. And so the first step is asking. And the second step is you can start um, manifesting it. So even something as simple as starting to journal each day, I am living my sole purpose and really tuning into the energy of what that would feel like. And what you're doing is you're starting to set that intention out into the universe. So asking for that help and beginning to manifest it, it's going to start to draw it towards you and you will be led to the right people, situations, opportunities where you're going to find that, uncover that and start being able to live that. Yeah, I love that. It's almost like when you find like a couple things happen in a row and you're like, was that a coincidence? Like, did that just happen? (laughs) But um, exactly. Yeah. But I do have a question and I want, I want to get really granular here because I was thinking about it yesterday after our conversation, how do we actually ask our spirit guides for help? Is it something we just close our eyes and think about? Do we say it out loud? Is it something we write down? Like, does it have to be in a meditation state? Like what, how do we do that? Yeah, so I like to think about it like we've got this phone, like we've got this receiver um, signal signaler in us by our energy field. A lot of people do like to do it in meditation because they find they can receive more, feel more in that, but you don't need to be. You can be sitting down at your desk like we are right now. I do prefer to close my eyes, but you don't need to. And you can just set that intention. Um, I'm calling in my spirit guides. And you can say that in out loud, I call upon my spirit guides to be here with me now, like that simple. Or I call upon my higher self. I call my spirit guides to be here now. And as soon as you say that, it's like dialing them up on the phone, right? And then they're there, they're with you. And then you start speaking to them and you say, hey, I really need some help for this. Can you please help me with this? Or, you know, anything you feel you want to say to them or get support with. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think everyone listening should just give it a go for what it's worth and just see what <laughs> happens. Like you've got nothing to lose. Um, you know, I think, I think this is one of those topics that a lot of people are either going to be fully into it and like, I'm loving this or a bit like on the fence of, I don't know whether I'm, um, you know, I can fully wrap my head around this as a concept, but I think it's definitely worth trying. And then you can reach out to Athena or I, if it, if it works for you. And I mean, I'm sure we'd love to yeah. hear how you go with that and connecting with it. I but Yeah, sorry. I just want to say there as well, if you're skeptic and you're listening to that, this is a really fabulous way to start getting that tangible proof. Something that you can do is you can say, give me a sign. You can ask for a specific sign um, or you can say, just give me a sign and you will get one. And this is something that I do give skeptics to test out. So the first time I did this, I asked my spirit guides for a sign. I was 16. I was on the school bus and I was like, I read it in a book and I was like, all right, guides give me a sign. And I looked out the window and there was this giant billboard that said, this is a sign, buy a (laughs) sign. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm I'm good. And now I get my students to ask it. And some of them, you know, I have someone who, a yellow buggy, like the car, they decided that's going to be my um, sign. So they were like, okay, give me a sign of a yellow buggy. And then they will start seeing them all the time or they'll say, um, make it a white feather and suddenly they'll wake up and there's a white feather in their room. So actually ask for a sign. It can be numbers, whatever you like, or you can just leave it open. You can say, give me a sign um, yeah. and you'll receive something or feel something. 
Yeah, no, I love this. And for people who may not know what their sign is, like definitely just being more open is a better option. But I've, I've literally experienced this myself where I was a little bit on the fence and I was like, you know what, I've got nothing to lose universe. Give me a sign if I'm on the right track, you know, and I think you can be quite intentional with what you ask for. Like if you give me the sign, that means I'm on the right path. And if you don't get the sign, you could interpret that equally. Um, But I always kind of knew like a butterfly was my sign. I don't know. Every time I saw it, it just made me feel a certain way. And I was like, okay, show me a butterfly in the next two days or whatever, if I'm on the right track. And I literally, my therapist sent me a text that afternoon and she had a butterfly emoji in it. And I was like, okay, weird. Like that's, it's just such a random emoji to use. And I like that because it's not often the, always the way you think it will happen. Then I got an email from my sister and her like year 10 email address was her first name dot butterfly at (laughs) hotmail.com. And for some reason, the email came through from that. And I was like, okay, I've got it. I'm on the right track. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like just ask and just see how you go because sometimes it's pretty cool what happens. So I'm with you there. And it's a great place to start if you, I guess, want to dip your toes into this world. But um, I might bring us back to the concept of manifesting. And mm-hmm. I think for people as well, it's, I love what you said, like just, just really feeling into the emotion and how, and how it would feel. And do you think there is a secondary action piece that's necessary to manifestation? Because I've spoken to a lot of yeah. people who said, you know, you can't just sit there and sort of hope for the best like you do need to be taking those actions to be helping that out along the way what's your take on that absolutely so manifestation work it really does come down to a formula intention plus energy plus emotion plus aligned action equals manifestation so that's like the full formula intention can be something as simple as deciding you want to creating a vision board journaling about it you're setting that intention that's what you want um emotion is then when we feel it as if it were ours so that's really sitting with that emotion you know what would it feel like if you had that in your life energy is how we can then charge it and bring more energy to manifest it so some people this is a bit more complex a bit more advanced but you know for example charging crystals and working to actually charge the manifestation or if you have a vision board maybe you'll put like symbols that hold energy onto that vision board to charge it and then aligned action action that's going to support that what usually happens when we start manifesting the intention the emotion of it is we start to get opportunities show up. Suddenly, you know, we might get a book put in front of us. Someone gives us a book and we're like, oh, that relates to what I was asking about. If we don't read it, then we're not, you know, we're not going to be able to manifest it. Or if we don't take the opportunity that's put in front of us, it's not going to actually manifest. So we have to be open to that aligned action and follow through with. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think there's a part of that of letting go of things that may not serve what you want to manifest or is it just more just focus on the aligned action and then everything else sort of fades away definitely letting go of that and that kind of ties into healing as well so if somebody wants to manifest something they have to kind of look at what am I going to be letting go of when I have that and what fears do I have around manifesting that so Something that I like to ask people if they say, I want to manifest like a successful business, for example, say, well, what's the worst thing about that? And someone might say, oh, it means I have to support my family and I really don't want to do that. Or it means I have to like show up on social media and I'm a private person. I don't want to do that. And that's going to end up subconsciously blocking them. So they might not take the action, you know, that shows up or they might intentionally sabotage themselves. So it's really important to start looking at what are the fears I have? What's the worst thing about manifesting this thing into my life? And what do I need to actually let go and heal? So if you are really trying to manifest a lot of money, wealth, not just a sum, but actually like a really wealthy, abundant way of life, there's probably going to be a lot of belief systems to let go of. And especially the ones that we might've taken up from my parents, like you have to work hard and do, um, you know, earn your money or, you know, even money is bad. It's actually letting go of those belief systems before you can step into your new reality. So there is definitely a lot of healing that will come naturally. Like when you start to manifest it, it will just come up. And usually mm-hmm. people then are put in situations where they have to work on it and it can be quite challenging but it allows them to shift into that new version of themselves that has that manifestation in their life. 
Yeah. And I love that we're talking about these because I feel like when we speak about manifesting, it's all about the aligned action and the intent. But I think there is a process, especially if you get to a point where you manifest something that's like a, a big step up for you as, as a person or, you know, you're transforming. There is going to be a difficult part of letting go of a lot of things that you potentially thought for yourself. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. it can actually not serve you to have those in your head. It's kind of like a blockage. So I think it's important to note that. And I think actually what I'd pull out from what you've said, if anyone's listening and I guess already manifests is to sit down and think, what's my biggest fear if this does happen? Mm-hmm. Or what am I going to struggle with the most? Or what's something that I've, I'm scared of if this thing were to be a reality and see if there's anything there that I guess would act as a barrier. Cause I think that's a really important um, piece of it. And you know, it's, it's more, it's more of a realistic take that not everything's happy and rosy and positive all the time. Like there is, there are challenges to achieve things in life, you know? A hundred percent. Totally. Yeah. Well, beautiful. I think I might wrap that up with manifestation, but one thing that I was really excited to talk about today that I think will be most practical for a lot of people as well Mm -hmm. is this concept of our intuition. We talk about it in intuitive eating, making intuitive decisions. I think even just setting your intentions as a part of your intuition that gets, that gets put into that. So I think for everything we speak about on the podcast and just to sort of um, give everyone a quick summary as well. So the balance theory is comprised of your health, your relationships and your area of fulfillment. And at any point in life, you're going to have different weighting on different, different weighting on each of those areas. And that will be Mm -hmm. your balance, but that will shift as time goes on. You know, you might have kids, more will have to go into the relationship category. You might have a thriving business, more will have to go in fulfillment, but at each time your intention in each of those areas has to be active. And I think being in touch with the intuition and what you need at different points in your life is an important part of allowing that balance to change over time. So it's not like you get this great formula and you're like, great, I'm going to be balanced for the rest of my life. It's about, okay, what points do I need to shift or pivot? And I think being in touch with the intuition is a key part of that. So my question to you is how can somebody really harness the power of their intuition or connect with it? Mm -hmm. Such a great question. And I really want to clarify, like a lot of people, they're like, intuition is what I feel. And that's where people can go wrong with intuitive eating. They're just like, oh, I feel like this or, oh, I'm craving this. So I'm going to eat that. And it's coming from feelings rather than intuition. So our feelings can come from fear place, fear beliefs, stresses, like subconscious programs, not necessarily our intuition. So it's actually going, what is my intuition versus what are my feelings? For most people, intuition is really embodied. Um, So it's something that we actually feel. Psychic senses happen in our energy, but intuition happens in our body. So for most people, that gut feeling, that's kind of that like strong, almost, I want to say like a rock in the center of your being that's quite persistent and consistent. That is like that first sign of intuition where let's say you have two job offers and you're not sure which one to take that gut feeling is going to show up and be like yes that's a path for me but your feelings might be fearful of taking that one but your gut is telling you yes go for that another intuition sign um, that people get are like shivers over their body goosebumps that's a really good one when someone's saying something and your intuition is like listen to that like that's a line for you you need to hear that people get goosebumps and they're like oh okay my intuition is telling me something it's starting to notice how your body reacts and responds to people, situations, places, opportunities, and starting to notice the way that your intuition is talking to you. So something that I start, would recommend to start doing is just getting that yes or no from your intuition. So something even as simple as you go to a restaurant, you're not sure what to pick, unless intuitive eating. Classic. With that. <laughs> yeah. And you can kind of sit and go, okay, intuition, which meal or which, what kind of food is going to be for my highest good? And you can kind of notice yes or no, or you can even pick something that you know is not going to be good for you versus something that is going to be good for you. You can ask what's for my highest good and notice what your yes feels like inside of your body versus what your no feels like inside of your body. For some people, it's flutters, it can be pinging, tingling, goosebumps in your skin and starting to do that with people. Start noticing if you know you have someone 
toxic in your life that you don't like being around, maybe a coworker or something, how does your body respond when you're around that person versus someone who you're around that makes you feel really good and starting to notice all those little signs and signals that our body is showing us. And that's the first way we can really start to work in our intuition, just listening. And it kind of just builds and builds from there. Yeah, I love that because it's a key distinction between, I mean, I guess it's a really fine line between feelings and sort of those signs because often we take the signs as an emotion. So I think that's a really good one to do, like kind of noticing with things you're already quite actively aware about and then just noticing like the signs that that flow into that or maybe even like extremely strong emotions. For me, I think it's almost like it it is that gut feeling, like that rock in the stomach, like a really strong centered kind of kick sometimes. And you're right. It's like, it is super, super persistent. And I think another one as well is, you know, when, when you've got like two options and you're like, I'm really on the fence, like I don't know which one. And then you throw it over to someone else, but deep down, you're like, I hope they pick that one. Even though you're kind of like, oh, I'm sitting on the fence about it. (laughs) It's kind of like that, like just noticing, I guess, how you feel in those moments, like what's actually made you make that decision and what, is it some feeling or yeah. So that's a great way to do it. And um, yeah, I love that you've shared that because I think in theory, we talk about intuition, but to, to really like apply that in practice is a different question. So I'm glad we sort of went through that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, another thing I uh, wanted to ask you about today was what it means to be an empath. Cause I know that's something um, you're probably super familiar with. I know it's something you talk about in your work as well. And I think it's quite useful in terms of our framework of living a balanced life as well. So talk to me a little bit about what being an empath means first, and then maybe we can go on from there. Totally. So again, with being an empath, there is like a psychological perspective to it. And then a spiritual perspective. I obviously work in the realm of the spiritual metaphysical and note that there are introverted empaths and extroverted empaths. So that's where it can be a little bit hard. If you're an extroverted empath, you want to spend time around people, but it's very hard on your energy. So essentially someone who is an empath is they will take on other people's stuff as their own. And they will actually have to go and recharge after spending time with people, even if they love it, even if they feel good at the time, they will actually have to go away, um, spend time alone, figure out how to recharge. Oftentimes they'll be really tired. Um, they'll have to eat food, they get those cravings for it, because their energy has been depleted. So let's say, for example, you're consoling a friend who's upset, and it makes you cry, like you're feeling her feeling so deeply. It's not just, oh, I feel for her. I actually feel the pain that she is having within me, like as if it were my own. Now, if we kind of take that and you have a job that's in customer service, I think that is the hardest role for empaths to have. You're dealing with people all day, every day. You're in this loud environment. You're outside. You're in all these different energy fields. That is so draining for an empath. And what uh, being an empath really means is that your energy field is really open. So we all have this aura, this energy field around us and an empath has a really open energy field a lot of the time we'll even see like these energetic tentacles just tuning into different people different situations and just taking it on taking on the stuff the way i like to think of an empath is rather than focusing on i've got to protect my energy shielding my energy which a lot of empaths try to do is you feel the energy and you breathe it out. So a lot of empaths will actually breathe in the emotions, the feelings, the energy as if it were their own, and then they just hold it and then they feel it and it stays with them the whole day. So that empath will have that conversation with their friend and then they'll feel sad for the rest of the day about it. They won't be able to shake it off. Now, the way to start actually shifting that is to say, thank you, body. Thank you for showing me what this person is feeling. And it's not my own and I release it and literally breathe out and see yourself letting it go because being an empath is a gift. It means you're very intuitive. It means you're fantastic when it comes to creating relationships. Those empaths are the best kind of people to be in a role like a psychologist or a healer because they can really understand and feel for people. However, they need to learn to work with it. It's not something that's taught. So most empaths end up quite miserable, overweight, returning to food and isolated because they're needing to learn how to deal with the energy. I know when I was really deep in my empath 
um, work before I knew how to work with it, I was drained, tired all the time. I just wanted to get away from people. And when I started to understand what being an empath is, how I can work with it, it's just a gift now that I can tune into someone, but not carry their stuff like it's my own for the rest of the day. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to that, especially that, um, you know, the piece of if someone said something or someone feels something, Mm. you kind of carry that with you and you just want to shake it and you feel like you can't. So I think that's a really nice tip. Although I'm curious, do you think there's a correlation between empaths and people pleasers? Not necessarily. So um, empaths, they feel other people's energies. A lot of people pleasers, it can come from like, if we're talking about attachment theory, it can come from an anxious attachment as well in relationships. They need to know the other person's all right. Um, People pleasing can come from childhood, but an empath who is a people pleaser will feel what the other person feels and then be compelled to make them happy versus an empath who doesn't have that. They will just feel it and then move on with their day. Not kind of caring so much about the other person, but being more concerned. Why am I still feeling what they were feeling? Yeah. No, interesting. Very interesting distinction. Alrighty. I know we don't have much time left, but there is something I wanted to end on, which I think will be great for everybody listening as well, because we've spoken about boundaries before on the podcast But this concept of energetic boundaries to me is super interesting. And I feel like it's just going to level up my uh, self-care in a way, my, what I, what I currently understand about boundaries and how to set them. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about what they are and how people can utilize them. Absolutely. And so touching back onto that, being an empath, someone who is an empath and doesn't know how to work with it generally has really poor energetic boundaries and the way to be successful embodied empath is to have strong energetic boundaries. So when we talk about energetic boundaries, it's what we allow and don't allow into our energy field. And there are lots of ways to kind of little things that we can start doing to shift what we allow and we don't allow. So let's say even if you were to go to Westfield and the energy there can be really full on. Some people, they might even get drained just because there's so much energy going on there. Or you may come into contact with a person who is not feeling well, you know, they're not in a good state and they might project their stuff when you write. We've all met projectors where they take out what they're feeling on us. If we have strong energetic boundaries, we can go to those places, even places that feel really off, like we don't feel good being in that space. We know there's something wrong. We can leave all those interactions and still be strong in our energy, still feel the way we felt before we went there. So if our energy was good, clear, and we felt happy, we'll still feel that way after. If someone has poor energetic boundaries, that will be all up in their own energy and they will feel completely different after those experiences. So the way we can start working with energetic boundaries is just as simple before going to a place or having an interaction. If you're working with someone, for example, that you have to see every day that doesn't do you well energetically or you have to go to a place you don't like, how it feels, how it makes you feel. It's starting to literally just visualize yourself in a golden bubble, right? That's just going to create that little protection and you can start kind of going to these places and not taking on that stuff as your own. So it's kind of like this deflection for that energy technique that I like to use is when I come into contact and this is ties into the manifesting as well. If I come into contact with someone or something, or they treat me in a certain way, I like to say like in my own head, I don't say it out loud. I say, I am not, (laughs) I am not energetically available for this type of situation or for this type of person. And it's kind of like what I'm doing is energetically, I'm saying, this isn't something I accept in my reality. So the same way if we were in an emotional relationship where that person was emotionally abusive, we might say to them, I'm not available for this. So I'm going to you know, end this relationship. And energetically, I will say, I'm not energetically available for this. And what I do is I disconnect myself energetically from that situation by saying that. And it's just, it's separate from me. It doesn't involve me. I'm not taking it on. And my energy remains kind of strong and untouched by that. Yeah, I love that. And it kind of respects the fact that there will be times where you have to just be in situations that you don't necessarily like. And I think the classic example is like family situations you know you can say avoid people you don't like but ultimately like 
you have your cousin's wedding or something and there are going to be people that you don't necessarily want to co-mingle with. So I quite like that because it sets up this field around you acknowledging that you're going to be in those situations and just sort of being a little bit more preventative rather than expecting that they're never going to pop up. So that's what I quite like about the distinction with, say, the conversation about regular boundaries, which have absolutely have their place and I think work really well to get rid of things that we have control over that we can get rid of. But I think this is just that next layer to really take it that next level, think about like our energy and how to protect that in situations where we don't have that control. Absolutely, because we'll definitely have that a lot in our lifetimes. And, you know, the preventative is very important. And still we can go into these situations and still feeling like, oh, that still affected me. And that's where we might come home then and we might clear our energy. Even say something simple like clearing, having a shower and visualizing it's clearing your energy as well is really good at clearing you. So even like following up a stressful situation like that can be really helpful. Yeah, you actually just answered a question I was going to ask, which is what if you find yourself in a situation where you may not have maybe thought, oh, that's going to you know, interfere with me energetically or that's not going to be cross-boundary for me afterwards? Is there something we can do? So I quite like that. And honestly, guys, like if you haven't tried visualization before i've actually the both both that you've just mentioned the the golden egg kind of um one which i think so we we sometimes run some meditation episodes i think uh the second one we ran with tom sullivan was like a golden egg kind of episode so that one's there for you guys to try but even in the shower like imagining yourself being cleansed Mm -hmm. is a really good one and another one i like to do as well is when i go to sleep like every time i exhale just imagine like i'm kind of getting like dropped into the earth a little bit further and it's kind of like a comforting hug almost yeah Um, but whatever whatever works for you I mean there's a lot there's a lot out there you can follow but um I just want to thank you so much for all your wisdom knowledge and passion that you've shared today I mean it's ticked a lot of my interest boxes as well as this I guess the spiritual journey that I'm on and I know everybody listening would have gotten so much out of it so thank you firstly and Mm -hmm. secondly if anyone wants to connect with you a little bit further follow your journey or learn from you as well where's the best place that they can do so yeah, thank you so much for having me, Erica. It's been awesome. Um, so definitely my website, athenabailey.com or Light Leaders Podcast. I have a ton of free courses, free psychic activation courses, energy boundaries courses. So you're welcome to kind of check them out and start working on this stuff for free. Amazing. Well, I will pop links to all of that below, but thank you so much. And it was really nice chatting. Great. Thank you so much, Erica. And that's a wrap for this week, Balancers. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today. As always, the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it, or if you're on Spotify, you can click follow or on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop so you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam, we promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. Stop, 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 stop.